0: Hi, Food Eaters. This is Mel Weinstein, host of the Food Labels Revealed podcast and the self professed prophet of processed foods. Welcome to the 13th episode. In today's podcast, I'll be examining and evaluating the very popular Lunchables line of kids meals manufactured by one of the giants of the processed food industry. You won't believe what's in those boxes that pass for food and that this type of food is what many American kids are eating for lunch or some other meal. Lunchables may well be the mother of all processed foods. Also, I'll look at a sensible, but likely very unpopular alternative to the factory food-in-a-box option. Along the way, I'll talk about why kids are in trouble regarding what they put in their mouths these days. For those new to the podcast, here's a bit about myself. I have a 30-plus year background in chemistry education, food testing, chemical, and chemical research. And for many years, I've had a fascination with what we eat, what makes up what we eat, and what processed foods might be doing to our health. Based on my work experience in the food ingredient industry, I also bring some inside information to this subject. This is the only podcast that I know of that is dedicated to looking behind the curtain at all of those strange and unusual ingredients that constitute processed foods. The subject of today's podcast, Crafts Lunchables, has been on my mind since the beginning of this series. There's probably no other processed food in the marketplace that better represents what happened to the American diet in the last half century. That's why the title of this episode is The Poster Child for Processed Food. This description is particularly significant since this product is aimed at kids and a generation of kids that is facing the increasing probability of developing devastating diseases like type 2 diabetes, heart disease, and cancer at unusually younger ages, plus the rise of obesity that's a precursor to those diseases. More about that later. Let's get into a little history. How did Lunchables come into existence? Much of the info presented here is coming from two sources, Wikipedia and the book by Michael Moss called Salt, Sugar, Fat, How the Food Giants Hooked Us. Back in the 80s, the Oscar Mayer Company, known for its processed red meats, was suffering a severe decline in sales due to a national campaign against high-fat and salt consumption. Do I hear a jiggle? Oh, I'd love to be an Oscar Mayer wiener. That is what I truly like to be. Cause if I were an Oscar Mayer wiener, everyone would be in love with me. Ah, that brings back memories. Oscar Mayer was losing market share for their bologna, salami, hot dogs, and other products, which were loaded with salt and fat. I remember those days when food companies were scrambling to reduce fat content or come up with what they called fat replacers. The company I worked for spent millions of dollars developing a starch-based fat replacer ingredient. By the time the product was manufactured and marketed, the fat scare was over and the company ate a big loss and discontinued the product. In the mid-80s, the vice president of Oscar Mayer, whose name was Bob Drain, came up with a clever idea to sell more bologna and other red meats. Drain discovered that parents' primary concern was time. Working mothers and single mothers especially were pressed by the time constraints of fixing breakfast for their families as well as packing something for their children to eat at school. This gave Drain the idea of creating a convenient prepackaged lunch in a box featuring oscar meyers trademark red meat he came up with the concept of self-contained individualized compact portable ready to use fun and cool food design of the package was based on the japanese concept of a bento box along with the look of an american tv dinner there was a sandwich snack and drink in the lunch box Crackers were substituted for bread because they could last longer in grocery coolers. The cheese was provided by Kraft when Oscar Mayer merged with Kraft in 1988 after the launch of Lunchables. That year, Lunchables became an instant hit with $217 million in sales in the first 12 months. But Oscar Mayer lost money on the product. In fact, $20 million in the first year. The tray sold for as low as $1.29. And the more they sold, the more money Kraft lost. What was going on there? The problem was production costs. As a brand new type of product... Oscar Meyer was unfamiliar with efficient ways of manufacturing a food kit. Drain had to buy time with an infusion of cash for his enterprise, so he pitched the Lunchables concept to the Philip Morris Company. Yes, the big tobacco guys, who just happened to own Kraft Foods at the time. The execs at Philip Morris agreed to back it. It worked. By 1991, after the manufacturing process was tweaked, The Lunchables line broke even. In the next year, Oscar Mayer earned $8 million. By 1995, 100 million pounds of trays were sold with half a billion dollars in revenue and $36 million in profit. The Lunchable team started by using Kool-Aid and Cola, but switched to Capri Sun in 2000, when Philip Morris added that drink to its stable of brands. Along the way, Oscar Mayer did try to make their lunch boxes healthier by substituting fresh ingredients like carrots and reducing fat content, but, but the profits suffered. In defense of Lunchables, Jean Cowden, a craft spokeswoman, said the following, this is not some big corporate plot to fatten up kids. This is what kids want. There are very few kids out there who will eat rice cakes and tofu. End quote. The Lunchable teams would delve into adolescent psychology to discover that it wasn't the food in the trays that excited the kids. It was the fun, the cool, and most of all, the feeling of power it brought to their lives. So, what's the picture for the Lunchable lines today? Well, first of all, in writing up this piece, I found that my word processor recognizes the word Lunchables when the L is capitalized. That means that Lunchables is now part of the American lexicon. Who'd Who'da thunk? If you go to Lunchables' website, which is lunchables.com, you'll see all the 48 mind-boggling varieties of these so-called meals in a box. They are spread across six general categories. There's Lunchables with drink, Lunchables with 100% juice. There's only four choices there. Lunchables without drink. Lunchables uploaded with drink. In this case, uploaded means extra items and therefore extra cost. Then there's Lunchables snacks. And finally, Lunchables uploaded snacks. Where do you start with so many choices? Of course, most grocery stores don't carry the full line. The novelty of these products is in the combination of items in the box. Oscar Mayer throws in all kinds of snacks, desserts, drinks, many of which are well-recognized brands like Hershey, Capri Sun, Reese's, Fruit Roll-Ups, and so on. Of course, the profits will be greater if Oscar Mayer used products from its mother company, Kraft, whenever possible. Not having first-hand experience with Lunchables, I went to my local grocery store to see what they had in stock. I located the Lunchables in the refrigerated section of the store, right next to the lunch meats, of course. Out of the 48 possible varieties, I saw maybe 12. There were the regular kits for $2.99 each, plus there were several uploaded varieties for $3.49. Many of them had cute names for the items in the trays that would catch kids' eyes, such as pizza kebabbles, chicken dunks, chicken poppers, cracker stackers, fruit by the foot, cookie dunks, dirt cake, and my favorite, Beef Walking Taco. Naturally, I gravitated to the ro- <laughs> to the worst choice, so I selected Lunchables Uploaded Ultimate Deep Dish Pizza with Pepperoni. The box contains eight individual items, and here they are. A 10-ounce bottle of spring water, a packet of pizza sauce, a bag containing deep dish pizza crust, a packet of pepperoni, a packet of Kraft Cheese Blend, a bag of Cheez-Its, a packet of Fruit Roll-Ups, and eight, a packet of Tropical Punch Kool-Aid. Except for the cardboard box that holds everything, all the packaging does not appear to be recyclable, and the box doesn't say anything about that. Here are the instructions for use. Quote, no need to heat. Spread sauce on crust. Add toppings. Enjoy. Or, alternatively, the pizza can be heated for 20 seconds in a microwave oven. Next, peel the fruit roll from the cellophane backing before eating, end quote. For some reason, no directions are given for making the Kool-Aid drink, but I guess that's supposed to be common knowledge among kids. So the cost of this item was $3.49. The food weight was 4.7 ounces. So what are the ingredients in this box? First of all, they're listed on a side panel in very small print according to each type of item. I can usually read normal print without a problem, but I had to get my reading glasses out to decipher this ingredient list. Just think how, it would, how difficult it would be for parents to check out the ingredients if they, if they even had a compunction to do so. I sat down and typed out all the ingredients into my word processor. It took a bit of time. That's because there is a whopping whopping 131 total ingredients in that 4.7 ounces of food. To me, it's quite a technological feat that Oscar Mayer and its associated companies could pack so many components in such a small amount of food. Could you imagine doing that in your kitchen, grabbing a zillion boxes off your shelves to make lunch? Now, if I subtract the vitamin and water ingredients from the list, the total number decreases to 112. Then, if I remove all of the replicates, that is those items that show up more than once, the total decreases to 83 unique ingredients. That's still a mind blower. The most common ingredients were preservatives, which showed up eight times, sugar substances showed up uh, eight times, and salt was on the label six times. It's interesting to note that you would find it very difficult to find the Lunchables ingredient list for this product online. The Lunchables website doesn't even say a word about ingredients lists. Makes you wonder. Now, you and I don't have the time or the, or the desire to weed through 83 ingredients. That would be a real snoozer. Plus, I've talked about many of these ingredients in previous episodes. So, I won't even read them all. But I am going, what I am going to do is talk in general about the individual components in the box. And when I come across something new and interesting, I'll delve into it with a little bit of detail. First, I want to say something about where the kit packets come from. You might think that the Kraft Heinz Company would package their, their own products in the Lunchables kit to maximize their profit. That's only partly true. The pepperoni, of course, is provided by Oscar Mayer. The cheese product is made by Kraft. The Kool-Aid is also from Kraft. However, the water comes from a private, private company called Apso Pure Natural Spring Water. The Cheez-It crackers are made by the Sunshine Biscuit division of Keebler, which is owned by Kellogg's. The fruit roll-ups come from General Mills. I don't know who made the pizza sauce or the pizza crust. In any event, Lunchables appears to be a collaborative effort among several processed food aid food giants. Let's start with the pizza sauce. There's nothing really weird here. It has a preservative, potassium sorbate, which is an innocuous chemical, and then there's xanthan gum, an industrial chemical used to thicken products. Next, the pizza crust. There's 29 ingredients in this product alone, but the usual suspects show up that you'll find in the cheap breads lining most grocery store shelves. The crust is a combination of enriched flour. Translate that to mean inexpensive, low-quality white flour, with the addition of some whole wheat flour. Give Oscar Mayer a kudo for including some whole wheat flour, which is a way more nutritious ingredient than enriched flour. Oscar Mayer gets another kudo for using a salt blend of sodium chloride, which is table salt, and potassium chloride. The use of potassium chloride cuts down on the amount of table salt in the pizza crust. Then we have the mysterious ingredient called natural flavor. This bread requires two different dough enhancers for some reason. Dough enhancers are mixtures of ingredients added to dough to make it more pliable, easier to rise, and able to withstand the industrial machinery used to prepare the dough. After the first dough enhancer, we see more mysterious ingredients, namely natural and artificial flavors. Then we come to the first new ingredient. Sodium steroidal lactylate, a name only a chemist could love. This is the ingredient of the day. Sodium stearoyl lactylate, a cream colored powder or brittle solid, is also called SSL for short. Its purpose in the pizza crust is as a dough conditioner. It makes the gluten in bread stronger and more extensible, meaning the dough is less likely to break or stick during manufacturing. Strengthening the gluten improves the dough's ability to rise, which increases the volume of the finished loaf. It also helps produce softer crumbs and more uniform texture. In the baking industry, It is sought to improve the ability of the bread to resist abuse. How is it made, you ask? SSL is currently manufactured by the esterification of stearic acid with lactic acid and partially neutralized with either food-grade soda ash, which is sodium carbonate, or caustic soda, which is concentrated sodium hydroxide. Does that sound like a food ingredient? It's typically present at a concentration of 0.5% in flour, and is considered safe to consume by the FDA. The next new ingredient on the label is rice bran extract. This is the oil extracted from the hard outer brown layer of rice. It also offers bakers dough conditioning properties, improves uniformity and texture, and helps retain moisture. Then we get to calcium propionate on the label. Here's a few words about that industrial chemical. It's a preservative to keep the bread from going moldy while it's waiting on the grocery shelf to be purchased. There are some downsides to the consumption of this additive. It has the potential to permanently damage your stomach lining by exacerbating gastritis and inducing s- severe ulcers. It has been linked to migraine headaches, A control group of children fed fed a strict diet without any food additives was compared to a group that was given traditional bread each day. The clinical trial revealed that irritability, restlessness, inattention, and sleep disturbance in some children may be caused by the preservative and healthy foods consumed daily. The last ingredient in the crust is cellulose powder. Interesting. Interesting cellulose powder. Okay, powdered cellulose is made by cooking raw plant fiber, usually wood, in various chemicals to separate the cellulose, and then the cellulose is purified. Sound delicious? It should just be called wood isolate, in my opinion. Cellulose powder probably helps incorporate air into the pizza dough. Let's continue now with the pepperoni component. This product has the usual components of cured meats, such as cheap meat source, note the mechanically separated chicken, sugar, culture agents, the mystery ingredient called flavoring, and a slurry of preservatives, including sodium asorbate, sodium nitrite, which is a cancer agent, BHA, which stands for butylated hydroxyanisole, a suspected carcinogen, and BHT, which stands for butylated hydroxy toluene, a liver toxin. All wonderful ingredients for kids. Moving on to the two pasteurized prepared cheese products. They include the usual fake cheese ingredients. For a detailed analysis of craft processed cheese, I recommend listening to episode number nine on the making of a bologna sandwich. Note that the two cheeses also contain the cellulose powder, just more wood fiber for the belly. Among the cheese ingredients is a new player, apocarotenal. Not sure I'm pronouncing that right, but that's my best shot. That's new to me. Never heard of it. Apocarotinol is in the processed cheese as a food coloring. It imparts an orange to orange-red color. It's present to make the cheese look like cheese. The cheese at Crackers are next. Not much new here. There's the cheap white flour, vegetable oil, fake cheese, salt, coloring, and preservative. In this case, the preservative is an acronym. T-B-H-Q, which stands for tertiary butyl hydroquinone. That name just trips off my tongue. This synthetic powder is a potent antioxidant. It combines with oxygen very rapidly and itself turns brown. In large amounts, T-B-H-Q is harmful. Ingestion of only a gram produces nausea, vomiting, ringing in the ears, and delirium. Of course, you'd have to eat many bags of Cheez-Its to ingest one gram, but I'm sure there have been some valiant attempts to do that by Cheez-It addicts. Let's look at the fruit roll-ups. Nothing unusual here either. Uh, We have sugar, plus sugar, plus acid, plus fruit puree, plus mysterious flavor, plus coloring agents. There is a new ingredient called acetylated monoglycerides, which has not shown up before. Acetylated monoglyceride is an emulsifier. In which acetic acid is bound with monoglyceride. It is used in powdered foaming agents, solvents, plasticizers for gums, and a coating agent for food. They are made by reacting fats with glycerol and triacetin. Sounds pretty chemical, doesn't it? Its role in the fruit roll-ups is likely to keep them from sticking together and forming a gooey mess. The colorings for the roll-ups come from four artificial dyes. Yellow 5 may cause aspirin-sensitive people to suffer from asthmatic symptoms. Yellow 6 has been shown to cause allergic reactions in people. Red 40 was being considered for banning by the British and European parliaments around 2009 due to its adverse effects on young children. And finally, Blue 1 may cause allergic reactions. It has also caused malignant tumors at the site of injection and by ingestion in rats. Lastly, we come to the kool-aid product it's a combination of sugar plus sugar plus acid plus the mysterious natural and artificial flavors plus artificial sweeteners to boot like a sulfame potassium and sucralose sucralose is one of the most industrialized food ingredients known to man and made using phosgene a world War one poison gas rounding out the kool-aid ingredients are more artificial colors like red 40 and blue one followed by the preservative BHA. Let's take a look at some nutritional aspects of our Lunchables example. First off, the meal in a box offers up 430 calories. Given the average daily 2,000 calorie diet, that only amounts to 22% of daily consumption. That's reasonable, assuming that a kid just eats the 4.7 ounces of food in the Lunchables and, and nothing else. The fat content is 18 grams. The daily value for fat is a generous 65 grams, so one Lunchables tray provides 28% of the daily requirement. That's also reasonable. The saturated fat component is 6 grams. The daily value is 20 grams, so a kid will consume 30% of the recommended amount for saturated fat. That's fairly high, but not outrageous. The cholesterol intake would be 20 milligrams, The daily value for cholesterol is 300 milligrams, so at 7% the cholesterol consumption is reasonable. The sodium level is 750 milligrams. The daily value for sodium is 2,400 milligrams. The Lunchables box provides a kid with 31% of the recommended intake of sodium, which is not unreasonable if, again, that's all the kid eats for lunch. The sugar level is 18 grams. The FDA suggested limit is 50 grams, so at 36% a kid is not getting an overdose of sugar. The fiber level is 3 grams. The daily value is 25 grams, so the fiber amount at 12% is drastically low. That's very typical for processed foods, which really have significant amounts of fiber to help regulate the bowels. Overall, from a nutritional perspective, the Lunchables dinner is not horrible. On the other hand, it's not stellar either. This analysis, of course, ignores the quality of the macro ingredients, like the protein, fat, sugars, and carbs. From a numerical perspective, the lunchable meal appears to be fairly okay. But from an overall health analysis, is this really nutritious food for kids to be eating? More about that later. Let's do a comparison. What if a parent got old school? and packed a school lunch for their kid. Say a peanut butter and jelly sandwich using multigrain bread along with an organic apple and an 8 ounce bottle of 100% orange juice. Now in my store a loaf of organic multigrain bread costs $4.49 for a 17.6 ounce loaf. That comes to 64 cents for two slices. Organic peanut butter costs $3.99 for a 16-ounce jar. That comes to $0.29 for two tablespoons of peanut butter slathered on the bread. Now add a tablespoon of just fruit jelly at $2.29 for an 11.5-ounce jar. That comes to $0.13 for the jelly. The organic apples are $2.99 for a bag of eight apples. That comes to $0.37 per apple. For the snacks, there's a product called My Super Cookies. It's organic uh, whole grain cookies at 55 cents per one ounce individual bag. Finally, for the beverage, let's include an 8 ounce bottle of Tropicana, 100% real juice at 56 cents per bottle. When all of that is totaled up, the cost comes to $2.54 for the whole lunch. The total amount of food not counting the orange juice, is 305 grams, or almost 11 ounces. Now, compare that to the Lunchable meals, Point one, It's $2.54 for the Healthy Lunch versus $3.49 for the Lunchables, Point 0.2. It's 11 ounces of food in the Healthy Lunch versus 4.7 ounces for the Lunchables. On a per gram basis, the cost for the healthy lunch is 83, excuse me, is 0.83 cents per gram, less than a penny. For the Lunchables, it's 2.6 cents per gram, okay? So that's 0.83 for the healthy lunch versus 2.6 for the Lunchables. What about the number of ingredients? In the healthy lunch, there are 52 ingredients versus the 131 in the Lunchables. In summary, the healthy lunch with mostly organic ingredients, that is, no chemical preservatives, pesticides, herbicides, synthetic colorings or flavorings, or GMOs for that matter, it has whole grain flour and other beneficial beneficial ingredients, it's almost 30% cheaper than the highly chemicalized, non-organic Lunchables meal. Wow, that's really a no-brainer. Most parents won't bother to give their kids a healthy lunch to take to school. Why not? Well, the odds are greatly against them for a variety of reasons. Here are just some of them. At the top of the list is time. Lunchables equals convenience. Everything is in the box. Just grab it off the grocery shelf, store it in the fridge, and hand it to your kid as they exit out the door. Job done. Nowadays, parents won't make the time to put together a healthy lunch. Second, most people don't have a clue about what's in these processed foods and what makes them hazardous. That's the purpose of this podcast, but most people are not interested in what is in their food, just whether it's convenient, tastes good, and is affordable. Face it, time is required to search out healthy foods and to familiarize yourself with the good and bad ingredients. Thirdly, Kids these days probably won't take to a healthy lunch because it's not glitzy or cool and they haven't been educated about healthy food, particularly since their parents are often clueless. Then there's the marketing by the processed food industry which targets kids with fun advertising, games, cartoon characters, and whatever else they can pull out of their bag of marketing tricks. There's a bigger picture here uh, that needs to be addressed. There's an epidemic of obesity in children in this country, as well as a growing population of teenagers with type 2 diabetes. It's not their genes. It's not simply a lack of exercise. The major problem is bad food and lack of nutrition. Junk food, fast food, convenience foods, factory foods, and industrial food chemicals are making kids sick. Here's a quote from the book by Mark Schatzker called The Dorito Effect. The U.S. remains the most obese country in the world, and where the rates of obesity appear to be reaching a plateau among adults at 35%, they are still climbing among the group that is the most vulnerable to the food industry's products, children. The most recent data from 2006 to 2008 shows that the obesity among kids aged 6 to 11 jumped from 15 to 20%. Adult onset diabetes had to change its name to type 2 diabetes because so many children are now being diagnosed with what was formerly considered a metabolic disease of grown ups. Once upon a time, we ate to sustain ourselves. Now food itself is toxic. From WebMD, According to the CDC, Centers for Disease Control, more than 208,000 people younger than 20 have this disease. That number includes both type 1 and type 2 diabetes. 15 years ago, type 2 diabetes in children was almost unheard of. From the website diabetesforecast.org, In June 2012, researchers from the Search for Diabetes in Youth study released data showing that type 2 diabetes in 10- to 19-year-olds had increased 21% between 2001 and 2009. The researchers also noted that the number of cases of type 2 rose faster among girls than in boys. So, people really need to wake up regarding the food they buy to feed themselves and their kids And who are the most vulnerable to a bad diet? Here's a final word on Oscar Mayer's Lunchables. This quote comes from an article by Michael Jacobson on the Huffington Post. And the article is called Trashables. Oscar Mayer's Lunchables are nasty, but the message to kids is worse. Quote, The meat in Lunchables is so thoroughly processed that one is tempted to put the specified meat in ironic quotation marks. The breads and crackers and pizza crusts in Lunchables are primarily white, refined flour, plus some eye-crossingly long combination of oils, sugars, leaveners, conditioners, preservatives, colorings, and flavorings. The deep dish pizza makes Domino's look like haute cuisine. Start with a spongy, frisbee-shaped piece of crust, squirt in some ketchup-like sauce, and then sprinkle on some shredded mozzarella cheese product. Complete the project by implanting the five little pepperoni discs composed of pork, mechanically separated chicken, and beef. And then eat the whole concoction cold. No crust, no melted cheese, and not a pizza. While Oscar Mayer's non-ironic slogan states, quote, it doesn't get any better than this, unquote, one is tempted to substitute the word grosser for better. If a big advantage of Lunchables is that they require little thought on the part of parents, a big downside is that they teach children that food shouldn't require much thought or that eating needn't be preceded by thinking. And that's what makes Oscar Mayer's cardboard-clad meals particularly tragic. Besides coarsening kids' palates, they teach kids that shrink wrap convenience is the norm, that taking the time to make a sandwich or peel some fruit is a problem that needs an industrial solution like Lunchables, and that you don't have to think about what you eat at all. On that note, thanks for listening, food eaters. If you could leave a review, good or bad, at the iTunes store, I would greatly appreciate it. You can find all the episodes of Food Labels Revealed at the hosting website called Podbean, located at www.podbean.com com, P-O-D-B-E-A-N, or by searching online for the title Food Labels Revealed. And of course, you can listen to the podcast on your smartphone or tablet by installing any of the typical apps like Apple's Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and other lesser known ones. So, food eaters, what are your thoughts on the subject of Lunchables? Did this report freak you out? Please share your thoughts by emailing me at foodlabelsrevealed at gmail.com. That's all one string, foodlabelsrevealed at gmail.com. Until next time, take care, and if you want to eat well and keep yourself healthy, eat food mainly from natural plants, not manufacturing plants.